I see you shiver with anticipation. It ain't like it used to be, but uh, it'll do. Make it three yards, motherfucker, and we'll have an automobile race. I'll leave you. I'll leave you, baby. I'll leave you. Now leave me alone. Private Charles Pontagon, a telegraphy specialist, communications platoon, headquarters, company reporting, sir. Splendid, Pumper Nicole. A plum picture. Nicole, splendid. Episode number 52 of the Cult Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony King. This show is all about author, critic, and historian Danny Perry and his Cult Movies books. We're going to discuss a movie from the first book and then offer up some pairing recommendations. And joining me once again is the founder of Blu-ray label, Fun City Editions, Jonathan Hertzberg. How are you, sir? Very well, very well. Thank you for having me on here this evening. I am thrilled to talk about uh, the movie we're going to talk about. But first up, let's talk about uh a couple new additions to the library of fun city editions first let's talk about morvern caller uh which uh bill ackerman had brought up on the very first episode of this podcast uh mm-hmm. as a pairing recommendation with the rain people francis ford coppola's the rain people okay. and uh this movie has been on my radar for the longest time and still haven't watched it uh because i i, I just I, I don't know i i kind of get these things in my head where it's like you know what i have a feeling we're gonna get a a great edition of this and that's the first time i want to watch this thing so uh once again just I, I feel like you shocked everybody when that title was dropped at the beginning of the year and everyone's like, oh, my God, of course, it's going to come from Fun City Edition. So uh, why don't you talk about that release for a sec here? Sure. Well, I, I take it your Blu-ray is en route, right? Yes. You ordered oh, yeah. it and of course. That's what, and you're just waiting for it to arrive. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, yeah Morver and Collar was a, was a title, is a title that obviously... I'm just enormously thrilled that we were able to do it, that it was there and available. And it was something I had my eye on for a while. And it nearly happened a few years ago at my old job. Um, but thankfully it was still around for, for Fun City. So uh, super excited for you to get to experience it this way and not not via the pre-existing very ancient master which is still around streaming and you know that was used for the dvd uh, which is frankly ancient i mean it was a master from that's 20 years old Mm. almost 20 or 20 years old the movie's 20 years old so uh, it really hadn't been refreshed until now so kind of a crazy thing just certain movies uh fall through certain cracks or just have weird 
weird convoluted rights situations and sure so that's kind of what happened with this film and luckily we knew where it was and and we were able to get it that's amazing and then uh talk about i mean i i don't know if about anyone else but when <laughs> Biltis was announced in february or for your february title yeah uh i mean i completely lost my mind because uh this was one of the let's see here okay uh i hadn't heard of alphabet city i hadn't heard of i start counting i hadn't heard of uh even rancho deluxe um oh god i oh, i don't have them organized by label but up until morvern caller uh actually it was walking the edge was the first one i had heard of and then there's morvern keller and then biltis comes out and I, I don't think many people know this movie and uh i i was blown away listeners regular listeners know that i talked about the film on jeremy ritchie's episode when we did emmanuel and it is a stunning just absolutely beautiful movie that is is quite revolutionary because uh, of the you know the the soft focus the Vaseline on the lens like uh, David uh, what's his what's the director's name David Hamilton Hamilton mm -hmm. essentially created that look right and uh, I mean my mind was blown because once again Fun City comes out of way left field with a, a film you wouldn't think uh with this absolutely gorgeous package uh so let's talk about that for a minute where how, how did this come to be oh it was a situation where the film the rights holder was a is a licensor that that vinegar syndrome has dealt with before and they have a relationship and they brought it up to me as a as a title that had been restored recently, very recently, new restoration, and it was available. And so, you know, that was I I said, well, this is a movie that's, and we don't need to go into the really into the details here because we're not really here to talk about Billitus or any of the other Fun City titles so much. But you know, it's a title that has a trouble. It, it has a the filmmaker and the film have a have a have a difficult history. There's some controversy there. And um, I felt like, well, if I was going to release this film, I just wanted to make sure that, that it was contextualized and that there was, um, you know, that we had some extra features with, um, with historians that could speak to it. And, um, you know, not just release the movie sure. by itself. Yeah. So, yeah. So with that said, uh, I'm, 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 and also I, I'm really happy with the package that the, the sort of uh, retro VHS thing that we did, because this was a movie that I had known years and years ago, like in the nineties, um, I knew it as a very rare, hard to find movie sure. on, on video. And um, I posted about it on my social media, but in the Leonard Maltin's video guide, there used to be, the, there were these, um, there were mail order there were there was a section in the guide where you could uh, where people who sold rare videos or movie book 
books or posters, everything. This was all pre-internet and, yep. you know, obviously years before eBay. So there was the kind of thing where you could find them, um, or if you were looking for something rare, uh, you could go and contact these people and it was by mail or you called them up to get a catalog, a printed catalog. So there was a, there was a dealer, there was a, there was a guy in there who was called Video Oyster and he had, you know, the, his thing was that he never sold bootlegs and that, that he would source and find really, really rare uh, v, v, VHS videos. Um, and he had like celebrity, uh, he had people that would call him up, you know, famous people and say, hey, can you get me a copy of this movie or that oh. movie? And um, so Billitus was a movie that I remember in his catalog I remember it just being like, I was like, what is this? And it was really expensive. Like it was like really high. It was like a much higher priced uh, title, I remember. And then I found an article that was from around that time. There was a profile of this, of this, uh, of this guy in the, in the Daily News, New York Daily News. And he specifically mentioned that Billitus was one of the most rare and sought after titles of things that he had, you know, that he had repeatedly come across, you know, people that movie so it's funny that all these years later it was available to license and so anyway That's now it's not now it's not going to be in a you know obviously it's not in a in a catalog where you have to spend like a hundred dollars for a really you know faded uh, uh beat up looking copy from you know media home video now it's it's been restored it looks great and you can get it from vinegar syndrome or you can get it from you know whatever uh, online retailer. I don't think there's really too many brick and mortar stores carrying these things these days, but you, you could find it pretty easily. Now. Sure. Yeah, that is uh, so exciting. And uh, I know just, you know, several people, uh, especially in my circle, have uh, said over and over and over how exciting uh, that Fun City Editions is, their favorite label. And I, I completely agree. Um, um, I'm going to stop puffing you up now so we can talk oh. about. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, no, it, it's honestly, that's a, I, I'm, I'm honored and I'm flattered. And, you know, it's still hard. That's hard for me to believe sometimes to hear. But yeah, if you're, if someone's really happy about, about this title in particular, great, you know, um, because, yeah, yeah, I have to say sometimes it's still I, I will I'm not sure you know, <laughs> about a certain. This was a title, for instance, that I've deliberated over it for a while. Yeah. So, I'm happy to hear there's some people that are really happy that it's we did it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think just like, you know, a, a lot of your releases have just kind of been roll the dice. You know, I start counting. I think is is probably the big one where uh, it it's. I mean, talk about cult movie. It's a word of mouth thing where, mm -hmm. you know, a handful of people get the disc and they're like, I've never seen this movie. They watch it. And then we're just like, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe how amazing this movie is. And I think the same is going to happen, uh, especially with Bilitis, uh, because it, you know, I, I can't stop praising the film. I It's ever since I watched it last year, like it has lived in my head. It is so... Oh. Uh, you, you know, it's it's not it's not a action thriller by any means, but it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, uh, which really I, I feel like falls in line 
kind of with what you're doing, you know, starting with Alphabet City, it's just like striking visuals in all of these films that you've been releasing. So I, I, I feel like it falls right in line. Very excited about it. Um, hope you're right. I hope you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. So why don't you go ahead and introduce, I'm so excited. This was one, uh, two for the road was, mm -hmm. I think the one that I was, when I first started the podcast, that was the one I was, I was like, I wish somebody would pick this sooner. This mm -hmm. one was right behind there. So why don't you go and introduce what we're talking about this week? Sure. We're here to talk about uh, Richard Lester's 1968 drama Petulia starring Julie Christie and George C. Scott. Uh, had you ever read the original novel by John, John Haas, John Hassey, how do you say his last name? No, uh, me and the Arch Kook Petulia, the source novel. No, I actually have not read it. Um, I actually, I do have a copy of it, but it's, oh, wow. yeah, no, I never did. Yeah. And, I, um, the, the only reason I ask is because in Danny's essay, he talks about how the endings are different, whereas in the novel. Right. It, I don't know how much we want to talk about that endings per se or, or, or not but sure yeah but just the, the it's different yeah it's different yeah so i that's yeah. why i'm 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 curious in that um well i i will say that the the it was not without controversy the the, the john haas I'm not sure if i'm pronouncing his name sure right he was not happy with how the film version of his book he wasn't happy with the process and he wasn't happy with how it turned out. Mm. It felt like it was really not his characters and that he didn't really recognize by the end product. He didn't really recognize um, it as, you know, his, his creation or sure. his characters, the original, at one point there was a screenplay that was written by uh, Barbara Turner. The, uh, the, 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 who's the, who's also the mother of Jennifer Jason Lee. And she was the writer of, of freedom, yep. which is in our primetime panic yep. set. She wrote a, a draft of the screenplay of Petulia that John Haas uh, was on board with. And Larry Marcus is the credited screenwriter. And that's the screenplay that I don't, you know, again, I don't know how much uh, Barbara's writing is still in it sure. or, or, or what, but you know how it is sometimes Oh yeah, one person is credited, but there's could be, there's multiple, oh, there's yeah. multiple writers. Um, but anyway, yeah, the version that came out is different. That's and yes, well, the ending. The, the ending is, 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 is different. I think it's fair to say without having read the book that the movie is maybe darker, darker and yep. more, um, and maybe 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 a little more serious, and maybe yeah. you know it's not. It's the the book has the title, you know, which is sort of has a is a different. It just it just evokes a different feeling. Yep. Me and the Arch Kook Petulia, exactly. You just sort of feel like oh, that's going to be maybe more of a swinging sixties kind of romp, and a little yeah. a little uh, you know maybe a little more screwball. And this movie is in that time period, yeah. But it's very much kind of like. Well, this is this is more downer. This yeah. is more down, downer. So. Uh, Larry Marcus, by the way, will once again come up in this show at some point because we'll be talking about the Stuntman, another movie that Danny wrote about in cult movies. But so that's that's uh, exciting. To look forward to. Uh, what's interesting is that, like it, uh, while Petulia is while this is a very 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 dark movie. It's still very Richard Lester, who 
you know, is, you know, has made like really kind of kooky, you know, goofy, especially as Beatles movies, uh, light and airy movies. And so you get this like super dark material with uh, very Richard Lester filmmaking flavor. And it it works, though. You wouldn't think it would, but it does. Before we go any further, let me read uh, Danny's opening paragraph from his essay real fast here. He says, Petulia is expatriate Richard Lester's shattering vision of America in the late 60s. Despite the presence of George C. Scott and Julie Christie, two of the period's most formidable movie stars, it was sadly neglected except by cultists who recognized it as one of the only pictures to offer an inclusive, though certainly subjective, portrait of a turbulent, important transitional time in American history. Fortunately, Petulia's critical reputation has improved dramatically to a point where it is rightly considered one of the best American films of the last 15 years. And uh, let's start with Danny's last sentence there. Uh, I feel like Petulia has sort of fallen back into obscurity, probably since Mm. he wrote this essay in the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually thinking about that when I was looking at the uh, when I read the entry again before I jumped on here. And yeah, it's it, because it's um, one of those cult. It's one of the movies in the cult movies books, which I feel fits Danny's definition of a cult movie, and which I asp- which I asp- which I which I've sort of taken to me. That I agree with that. Yes, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. I I learned. I, I sort of feel like I kind of am in line with with that definition, um, but it's sort of like one of the. It, it's not necessarily what people think of on a more wide a wider basis. Right. Like what a what a cult movie is, and that it's not a genre movie, and it's not a. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, for for most people, they just think a cult movie is like you know Plan Nine from Outer Space or. Right. It's, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that. So yeah, I think that's part of, that this is one of those movies. And I learned that I, there's so many movies like this that I learned about or first read about in Danny's books. I don't remember if that's the case with this movie per se, but but certainly this type of movie, which I've talked about before, uh, that is sort of more of the sort of offbeat kind of left field kind of dramas that, he certainly champions a lot in these books, yeah. but yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not like in, um, you know, when, when someone, when like entertainment weekly does like the 100, you know, biggest cult movies right. ever. Like these are the movies that they don't, they don't really mention these types of films. And well. and I'll, I'll be honest, those articles always piss me off because it's going to be the same, you know, 25, 50, a hundred movies you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Texas Chainsaw Man, that type of stuff, which, yeah. yes, fine, cult movies, totally fine, yeah. but I'm with you, like, man, uh, you know, hello, Danny <laughs> literally wrote the book on cult movies, and he covers them all, uh, yeah. and this is this is one that I did first hear about from when I got the book, you know, okay. flipping through, I was like, oh, what the hell is that? I've never even heard of this, hmm. um, and and then when I watched it for the first time, a couple years ago, I was just like, oh, "What? What the hell is this movie?" Right. Um, and I, you know, I liked it, but boy, is it, it's it's a weird one for your first watch. I feel like. 
Oh, you mean the first time you watched? First it, time you watch it, yeah. I, it, yeah. I thought it was really right. strange. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, those are well, you know. First of all, I don't really get just about the other lists that come out. I sort of at a certain point, uh, I stopped really. <laughs> I, I don't really. They don't piss me off. I, you can't get pissed about stuff well, yeah. like that. It's just clickbait. So much of that stuff, you know? right? And, um, and uh, it's you. You just can't get. You can't take those things too personally right or really care that much um i i only wish that because you know it is they're they're writing them for the general public not for the deep cut people like you know like us uh but i you know i i still wish people would you know uh, if you know say ew comes out with with a you know 100 best cult movies and maybe throw in 15 to 20 like real deep cuts because i think there are some people in the general public who do go through those lists i mean that's how i started right like getting into movies was the afi 100 movies 100 years list and and that's how i started appreciating film and i feel like there's younger people who probably get you know will get into movies like that and then they're going to come across one of those stranger titles on a clickbaity article and like oh this is interesting let's check this out and that begins the deeper dive you know yeah, I think there's probably still some of those deep cuts on even on the most quote unquote mainstream publications sure. list. You can never satisfy no, no, you know, nobody's ever none of those are ever going to satisfy everyone. There's always going to, you know, people and especially with the internet is sort of just made they're just made for debate. They're just made oh, yeah. for people people to get you know pissy about. Oh, how can they how can they put that above that? You right. Know, oh yeah. Um so it's just in some ways what you choose to get upset about it sure or just you know but um but yeah anyway so that's why something like patulia i feel like you just said it's a it's it is weird it is it is it does have uh it 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 does have a lot of stuff that that would make you could make you uncomfortable um because it's it's more real life it's you know this is a bit this is a film that's about you know one character george c scott's uh, character who's a doctor and has just left the marriage that with wife and two kids. And it was seemingly everything was okay. There was, as you know, as they talk about in one of their scenes, they never actually really fought. He just was bored. So it's sort of like this mid guy's going through his midlife crisis. And then he meets this younger woman played Petulia played by Julie Christie, who's actually just recently been married and she is well looking to get she's looking to get out of that marriage or something is it's not it's not quite worked out so far but it's actually rather still rather new like she's recently married and then it's just it's uh, it's it's sort of about these these very opposite people very different different parts of their lives uh different points in their lives uh my i think my favorite line there's so much great dialogue in this in this film but my favorite uh line in the movie is when they first meet and right away you know she she says uh, i saw you and i wanted you and like she's very upfront about saying i want to have an affair so they have this quick you know kind of exchange catches george c scott trying to play it cool 
um, at this at this party, and they walk outside. She follows him, sort of like a lost puppy, and he's you know he he he's almost like trying to shake her off, like what, what get off of me, what are you doing? And she goes, "My name's Petulia," and he responds, "I'm not surprised," because <laughs> I mean you know it, it's a unique name, and his you know the five minutes that he's known her. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's already painted this picture of her and, and, and her personality and and her life. And of course, your name is Petulia. And it's so, you know, he's so dry like he normally is. And it, God, it just gets me every time. But she's also a lot of it is is uh, she's she's a character that is. That it's a cover. That's all this this kooky, the kookiness and, it, you know, she's this and this wild free spiritedness is you know is a cover for a you know for a, a pretty deep unhappiness sure sure um this uh was shot by nicholas rogue who mm-hmm. uh talked about performance with chris o'neill uh last season or two seasons ago whenever it was um and you know we talked a lot about rogue's history and how he kind of started as a cinematographer and and so uh you get lester's direction and mm-hmm. his his uh his hand in the script his hand in the editing room and then you get the the gorgeous photography camera movements lighting shots by nick rogue and i mean you have a damn near masterpiece with this film and i feel like uh the more i watch it it's just it, it i'm gonna love it more and more and more and more i mean this is I think this is a four, four and a half star movie already for me. Um, <laughs> you know, at, just after two times because it, mm-hmm. it's it it it's one of those that uh, I love the darkness of it, and it it has just kind of burrowed itself into my brain. And I, it, uh, you know, this year I've somehow come across several movies that have just like taken up residence in my brain. And this mm. is one that has the first time I watched Petulia, it stayed in my head just mm. because of how weird it was. Right. Uh, but then this this rewatch last week, it, mm. I don't know, man, it just hit me so hard, like in the heart. Uh, I, I just felt so heavy and emotional watching it. And those mm. are my type, my favorite types of movies where like I, I walk away not like sad or, or depressed or anything, but just you know, this made me feel something and not many movies do that. And when a movie does come along and does and, and is able to do that to a person, I think it's it's really special. And so anyways, you know, over a week, Petulia has just like dug deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where I think uh, it's safe to say George C. Scott is probably in my top five, maybe even four top four actors of all time. Wow. Um, just uh, the man is, is brilliant. And the way he, <laughs> he plays this character against this sort of kooky yet this darker background of Petulia is, is really, I mean, it's, it's, it's school watching him work. And and yes, for for those wondering, there 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 is of course at least one or two of those blow ups from George C. <laughs> Scott that you expect. Um, the which, best. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but it's um, 
it's uh he's like he he is for so much of the movie so sort of pent up this guy he's so he's keeping everything kind of contained so uh, and that's actually uh, that is the scene i'm thinking of that i it, it was one of those scenes that's always stuck with me is a scene where where his where his um his ex-wife or his soon-to-be ex-wife uh played by shirley, shirley knight, knight yeah the wonderful wonderful shirley from knight. the rain she people comes, yeah that's right she comes and this is right around the same time yep. she comes to visit him at his bachelor pad and it is very much like a bachelor pad and it's just like such a it's just such a awkward real painful scene where they sort of are picking at the scabs of and, and sort of pushing each other's buttons but also trying to kind of be at other times supportive of each other and yeah at that's that scene uh, that is one of the shattering scenes in that movie and it does culminate or, or kind of you know build up to the george c scott blow up that Where i was thinking he of. he th so he throws i thought they were chicken nuggets but they're danny says they're cookies i couldn't really tell what the hell he throws at her yeah, i think she brings she brings them to him okay like she brings him some cookies that she made okay her. so yeah, yeah yeah so his blow up he he throws them at her and god bless shirley knight uh as like just technically speaking doesn't even flinch like this woman is like so into the character she's just like huh, that's just another one of his his blow-ups uh, which feeds into her character that she's playing but i mean it right. like so you get the the classic george c scott explosion but then you have shirley knight just sitting there taking it receiving it because she's they've been married for you know a decade plus whatever it is and yeah. she's used to it. She's seen it. She's ex she was expecting that. And uh, I mean, the three performances. I mean, even Richard Chamberlain, who plays just ugh, just the creepiest, gross, horrible person. Um, but just the performances alone, uh, like like you've said uh, a few times already, it's so real. It's like right. we're we're yeah. peering into this this real. Um this man's life where he's trying to just process everything, the stuff happening in his life. But then you have, so this is like the swinging sixties. It's the Vietnam war times are yeah, it's changing. The summer of love. It's right after the summer of love. And it was filmed in San Francisco. San Francisco. Kind of, so, yeah. so sort of like the, you know, you're kind of at the epicenter of it. And this was a year later though. The it, summer of love was 67. Right. You know, this 68, 68. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and then this this whole thing with like consumerism, where uh, in the hospital there's this really weird scene about yeah. like this lady says I can't get my television to work, and then the orderly or the the nurse or somebody picks it up and it's like it's just a hollow box. And <laughs> yeah, then, you got to pay you got to pay extra for that. And they they pat yeah. the the weird thing is to me is that they pass it along like three people down the line. They're like, can you explain this to her? Uh, can you explain? Can you explain this to her? And then right, and right. then they say. You know, we have a dummy television in each room to encourage you to order a real one. Right. And it's like, what? What the hell? And yeah, the, movie's, the movie is filled with a lot of these, the stuff that was kind of like uh, new technology at the time. Like there's the, the, the motel that they go to in the beginning. Everything's like automated and it's very, but it's, it's, um, but we're so far removed from it. It's over 50 years ago. Right. It, it's, it's funny. It's kind of, it's kind of quaint but also still 
pretty, a lot of the stuff is still pretty odd and very foreign because I've never been in, I never saw this stuff. I, so I don't know some of the stuff I'm wondering how much of this was actually a thing then or how much was like constructed, you know, for the movie. For the movie. I, I don't know. But, but it is worth noting that in the book, in, I mean, in Danny's book, he characterizes Richard Lester as an expatriate, as a, like, basically, like, as a, at least the way I read it, it like, he's a British director making an American film, but actually, Richard Lester is American, it's, or he was, he's, I, he's born in America, but he spent most of his adult life in, in England. He's actually I didn't from know Philadelphia. that. I thought, because, yeah. yeah. you know, just be, uh, for me, his Beatles connections. I was like, oh, yeah, th this right. guy is so British, but no, he's right. American. I couldn't believe that. Right, but I guess by the point, by the time that this movie was made, he 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 was he was considered, um, you know, British by common law, you know, or whatever. on the American American side, right? Because uh, you know, apparently, it was all filmed in America or filmed in Mexico and America, so it wasn't eligible for some funding from uh you know british funding hmm. but it does have uh, you know as you mentioned before uh when you mentioned nicholas rogue it has this incredible uh, roster of talent of behind the camera british talent and also julie christie of course right. is british but you have john barry doing the score of nick rogue as the cinematographer um you have anthony gibbs the the editor um i'm probably forgetting someone here um but anyway, there's there there's there. I, I'm looking at the the, oh, the credits book, list, yeah. but those but those are some of the main people that are all uh, very you know very immense talents that also happen to be British. British. Yeah. Uh, yes. So it's interesting because he is he was gone long enough from the states and really spent he spent his whole entire adult life in in England working in England. So right. Uh, so. It, so it is valid that to to say, oh, it, it is an outsider. It is one of these films with an outsider's view of America because he'd been gone for so long, right. uh, and 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 has really been formed uh, and worked in in England. Right. So, and that's it's that's what the movie what what the movie the other thing that the movie is is it's is it is this critique and from the outside, right? From the outside examination of American. Uh, you know of of American values at the time, or sort of the, right. you know what what what, what was happening uh, here. And it, it, uh, it well the the I didn't the my first time I watched this two years ago. I for some reason that didn't stick out to me, and like the the critique of America at the time. I thought it was just kind of critique of the world at the time. Specifically like American consumerism. Consumerism, exactly, right. Sort of these, and all these, all of these things we were talking about, like all these automated things that were sort of creating like this distancing, you know, this, there was sort of like this, uh, you know, this technology that was, you know, of convenience, sort of, right. that sort of was taking a human, removing a human element and people were kind of losing touch with each other. It just seems like something that is always something we're talking. Oh my God. About. It's, it's, it's talking about it now. It's, it's ever like, relevant. Yeah. 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 Well, the, well, the funny thing is that, so I, when I was watching this, I, I was texting my friend Kristen that, uh, cause she lives in San Francisco and she, you know, she loves watching San Francisco movies and this was one she hadn't seen. I said, uh, for, for some reason, 
until this rewatch, I thought that it took place in Britain and just because of Julie Christie and Richard Lester. No, this you is don't remember you don't remember Big Brother and the Holding Company and the Grateful Dead? I didn't you know, realize that's who No, now? I don't I didn't realize that's who it was when I was watching. I was like, oh my God, Janice Joplin, Grateful Dead, like all these American mm-hmm. hippie bands, and they're in like the Japanese tea garden. It's a very no. San Francisco movie. Yeah. So it's a great say. It's a, I mean, and the great. funny thing is the, the book was actually set in LA and they moved re, it. Interesting. They, they repositioned it to be San Francisco. That's it. Well, I, a lot, and it fits with a lot of right around this time. You have quite a few, you have, you have dirty Harry also a great San Francisco movie. Bullet. From just yeah. A couple of years later. Yeah. Bullet. Yeah. Point blank. Point blank. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah it's a good time it was a, and it's and certainly if you're a san francisco if you're a resident or you like san this is a this is a oh, classic yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i think other than new york city san francisco is is like my favorite cinematic movie just because there's so many you know it, it's such a a picturesque uh city and so many great iconic landmarks not just alcatraz but like you know the i don't even know what the hell it's called the the winding road that goes downhill through the flower gardens and like the japanese tea garden Mm -hmm. the botanical like i mean there's so many great uh places to shoot there and so anyway yeah i'm i love watching san francisco movies now going back to the consumerism real quick another line that uh really jumped out to me is when patulia is just, you know, she's she's putting on this character and she says, I'm going to marry you, Archie. And then again, uh, a classic dry George C. Scott response. He says, it's the Pepsi generation. And uh, that's just another another um, indicator of of what we're watching. We're watching a man just trying to come to terms with all these changes in his life, not you know, personal changes, yes, like I said, but also just all this stuff going on around him, the Pepsi generation. Well, it's um, also it's also alluding to the, that's a you know I think a, a a comment on the generation gap as well, right? Because that was very much very much a thing at that time, which was I think that that was that he was sort of making a snarky comment about that but she's a you know she's from she's from a, a younger generation right. i don't know what their actual age what their actual age difference is but you know sort of like um the the, the generation gap between the quote-unquote greatest generation the world war ii generation sure. and the and the and the baby boomer boomers generation. yeah, yeah. And, and i i just want to bring up i i looked it up there's no uh indicator that this song is has any relation to that line in the movie, but there's a song called marry me Archie by the band always, which I, I love it. It's a great sort of, uh, you know, uh, airy beach indie pop song, uh, but it's called oh. marry me Archie. And so when, mm. when she says that line, like the song popped in my head, Oh my God, like there's gotta be some sort of relation here. There isn't uh, for anyone wondering. And I know there isn't anyone wondering that. Uh, another weird thing. So they, they have this weird automated motel, like everything's automated in the motel. Uh, but, but then the guys, he meets, uh, his doctor friend at this, this weird, like go-go club with topless waitresses. 
for lunch. And it's a, it, I mean, it's not like a standard, like, you know, we're going for steak buffet at the strip club. It's like a, you know, just a normal sit down restaurant, but like go-go dancers and, mm-hmm. and they're topless. And it's just so jarring and weird. Another weird element to this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, I remember there's on they're on a swing, right? Isn't there isn't there a swing? Oh, yeah, the, girl, one of the girls is swinging, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's very much like this is not a, I don't think this is real. I think this is <laughs> but it's it's but actually, you know, it's funny we mentioned Point Blank before. Point Blank also has like a crazy it's not so much a strip club, it's more like a rock club scene. Uh if you recall that you know, I was mentioning San Francisco movies and it's from around the same time. Right. Just, just um, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This movie is full of everything. All the location, everything is every all the everywhere they film, whether it's a real location or a set, uh, is 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 of interest. There's well, there's e- even even his apartment, like you were talking, it's very much a bachelor pad. But then in yeah. you know, kind of halfway through the second act here, where uh, is it? Petulia has the the guys come in and install a greenhouse in his that's right in oh, his yeah. apartment yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's yeah. super cool uh don't because yeah. i you know i'm i'm a i'm a garden guy and so i right. i was like oh my god that would be amazing to have in my house uh but that that was just another you know i i feel like just R- richard lester kind of going wild saying okay how can we make this even more uh not necessarily unbelievable, but at, at some points you are sitting like, where are we? This, like, what is this world we're, we're in? And it's really interesting because uh, you do feel transported to a completely like out of time place here, I, I think. And, and then, and then with well, the, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's hard to say. I, I wonder, well, first of all, I don't know. We don't know if the, we haven't read the book. I don't know if that's in the book. True. Oh, all, that's some of the stuff point. is not necessarily Richard Lester. Some of it's maybe from the book and some of it is added for the film, but, but it's the, the film itself is over 50 years old. Right. And I, and this is one of those times where I do wonder not having been, not, not being around at that time. It is one of those films where I do, where I wonder how much a contemporary audience to a contemporary audience it was completely out of this world or how much was resonating as oh yeah this stuff is really happening right now and this stuff is i experienced some of these things that now we're looking at some of this technology as being you know very foreign or well okay so out of this world yeah no i i agree so uh another uh well-known kind of british behind the scenes guy tony walton production designer you know did mary poppins and fahrenheit 451 Mm. Murder on the Orient Express, all that jazz. Um, yeah, he did a lot for Bob Fosse. Yeah, a lot for Bob Fosse. Yeah. Looking that up kind of uh, makes sense because I, I feel like a lot of his stuff is otherworldly in the movies. Like what he brought, his designs, his sort of, you know, set the the, 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 the settings that he would create were right. sort of otherworldly in his movies. And so that kind of makes sense um what a catch i mean just speaking of the crew what a great mashup of of talents and and like idea men and and i mean brilliance it's 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 really something 
to sit down and watch Petulia. I think, I mean, do you remember the first time you watched this? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so I've pro- I might have told you this story on a previous appearance here, but I had this book, this Leonard Malton encyclopedia. It wasn't a video guide. It was a Leonard Malton encyclopedia, which had, act. you know, it was like sort of bios, little, little biographical sketches of actors and sure. directors and stuff like that. So I remember I got this book. I don't know if I still have it, but this was about... 25 26 27 years ago i was a lot it was the early 90s this book came out and i remember i sh- i showed it to my dad and i said who should i look you know i said dad check this out you can look anyone up it's uh, you know it's like uh, who do you want me to look up and he said julie christie that was like the first person and i didn't know who julie christie was and <laughs> this was probably when i was like you know 15 years old or something sure. and i you know and i, I and and anyway, it was Julie Christie. He asked me to look up, and he asked me to look up Robert Blake. And uh, yeah, this was in the '90s. This was long before. This was before Robert Blake's all of his sure. yeah. you know yeah. legal issues and whatever. So yeah, these were just actors that my dad really liked. So I remember then a few years later, uh, after my dad had passed away, I was looking to. I wanted to watch. I was looking for these movies that I knew either that I knew my dad liked or actors that I knew he liked, um, you know, as a way of sort of, you know, connecting and with my dad, you know, and, 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 and also um, kind of in mourning him. So anyway, so um, Petulia was one of those movies that I sought out. I was like, Julie Christie, I'm going to go watch all these. So I watched things like don't look now. And, and uh, Shampoo and McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Petulia and Darling and, you know, all these movies. And that's when I watched it. So this was probably have been sometime when I was around, you know, 19 or something. Sure. Uh, when I was in college, I've watched Petulia on, on uh, VHS. And I have to say that the things that resonate for me about this movie are really not so much what we've been talking about. I don't really care that much about the the, the critique of uh, america american consumerism or sort of the this weird technology which now in a way it's kind of less relevant to me sure. than actually more the relationships and the way it's the, the things that are more universal about it which are you know this portraying this middle-aged malaise the boredom that uh that that George C. Scott or whatever, the emptiness that he's feeling, but also like all the feelings of guilt, which Danny talks about in his essay, all these characters kind of feeling uh, guilty about not living up to what they think their partner's expectations are of them and therefore like disappointing themselves. Like that's the stuff that like, and there's just certain scenes in this movie that the stuff with George C. Scott and his two sons, like that, that stuff still, that those are the things that even when I haven't watched this movie in many years, that's the stuff that just sort of breaks you. Like that's the stuff that in this movie that I find to be like, so still so um, powerful. And, oh yeah. Well, you know, very, and, and just very spot on and, but, but powerful moving without without being you know it's that it strikes that right the right chord it's not it's not obvious or or like 
really trying for like those are scenes that you could see you know it's like a father you know spending time with his two sons now that he's you know left the family or whatever you could see that stuff becoming really uh you know that that type of that that type of thing could be handled poorly and and not work or be somehow mushy but yeah i don't know there's something also really powerful about his inexpressiveness George, like i his inability to kind of um to to pro to really process and and be able to communicate with his you know with his children mm -hmm. with, his, with his with his wife um and which is kind of left put left him at this point where he sort of is feeling like he's kind of a man on an island alone right. And, and probably something else that I related to, it was probably like when I watched it then as a younger person after my dad had died, the, 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 my, I had a you know, difficult relationship with, with my dad and he didn't communicate. He had a hard time. We didn't communicate well. Sure. He wasn't a great communicator. Yeah. So there was things, but had a temper, you know? Right. So there's definitely stuff in this movie that I, where yeah you're sort of like fearful of what is you know of george c scott it's george c scott so you're just sort of fearful of george c scott blowing up of all of all this sort of pent up this angst kind of boiling over right uh, but but it's yeah it's it, but you don't you know it's 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 funny because I, I was another thing i was thinking about is just that he's a type of that's a type of character that's really uh and he's an actor also just it's it's I wonder it's one of those actors and he's one and this is one of those characters that makes you I wonder how it will how it will translate to a younger audience mm. a more modern audience um, because again these are this is like a type of he's a type of male archetype that is not really doesn't really exist anymore no it's no not really fashionable but and, and and you know the some of the stuff in the movie there's a lot it's a character this is a character he had like you get to actually he, both he and uh richard chamberlain who you mentioned as well i mean his richard chamberlain goes a lot further with the violence but both of these are both of these are characters are men who who do get violent emotionally physically um and there's stuff that's uncomfortable to yeah. say the least well i i think uh watching it uh, you know i i'm i'm turning 40 here in 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 a couple months and watching it as you know george c scott you know he's he's not a boomer but i'm watching him as my parents as my dad who was a baby boomer okay and uh as someone who is roughly the same age as George C. Scott is in this movie, he was a little older, but uh, who is trying to come to grips with what happened to my life? Like, where am I? I'm feeling all these things, but I don't know how to get them out. I don't know how to express them, especially healthily. And... Uh, I don't know what I want. You know, he's in this, like you said, midlife crisis. He's he's in this existential crisis mode where, uh, as someone who is entering his forties, you know, I 
I'm welcome. Yeah, I'm starting to <laughs> understand. I, you know, I really get, you know, I have two boys. I've been married for uh, over 10 years, you know, 12, 12 years, 13 years. Um, and, you know, I, <laughs> I get it. You could watch this movie with different eyes than you could watch it if you watched it in your twenties. Exactly, yeah, I mean, and, and, a, and I feel it's like it's a movie you're going to connect with in, in in different ways depending on that, and and that where you are in your life. That's what I think. As people, you know, this is this is not. Let's be honest. This is not a movie for a a, a regular quote regular you know 16 17 18 year old to sit down and watch. They're not going to relate to this movie at all. But as a forty year old person, especially as a forty year old. Uh, man, male identifying person, I completely get it. And I think that's why it hit me so hard mm-hmm. this time. You know, um, I mean, e- even, okay, Richard Chamberlain, he's a monster in this movie, but he's also going through this this thing. He He doesn't understand, like, he cannot express his emotions in a healthy manner at all. And he says, if I come for you, let me in. They're on the boat, which he's with, with Julie Christie, his wife. He says, if I come to you or if I come for you, let me have a flare right between my eyes. You know, and, and like that is a, a, a softer moment for him, even though he's been a monster and is will continue to be a monster. Uh, well, you you you're you're um, your reading of him is, is, is a lot less sympathetic than Danny's. I was noticing as I was reading. The, the essay again and maybe it would be different now it's a lot he's a lot um he's a lot easier on that character yes it's not excusing this character's violence and he does get very violent more than one time in the movie towards julie christie but he's 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 more empathetic is what i'm saying he is yeah as to as to what you know what what is let what leads this you know character to this and that to, might be a generational thing too yeah that might could that, be yeah that's a different it's a this essay that we're alluding to was written 40 years ago right so and, and but i i do love how george c scott his character archie just even at the end of the film he still hasn't grown he's still stuck in this place which is a very human very real thing to watch something very relatable especially for me mm. and you know uh, as someone who's who's recently sober and and like in aa right now and like learning how to process your emotions mm-hmm. and like express mm-hmm. yourself in a healthy manner uh i mean it hit even harder that way and so like you know he I know we're kind of dancing around it and I, I don't want to say exactly the, the, the moment what's happening here, but he, he comes upon Petulia one final time and he says, you know, uh, you have a very superior pelvis, you know, it's just very, again, very dry, very cold, very plain, very funny. Uh, because I, I think it's meant to be funny, but again, this is said as a man who he doesn't know, like, this is a funny man, but he doesn't know where his humor is right now. I feel like he doesn't know how to express himself. Well, they, well, they, 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 they sort of spend most of their time saying sort of outrageous things to each other as a, you know, as a cover or, or in place of saying what they really feel. Really feel right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful film um before we move on is there anything else you want to talk about patulia 
I could. I mean, we. I feel like we we could keep talking about it. And it and it and I always feel like these are hard to do. Um, and you do this obviously a lot more. I feel like they're hard to do because I never know how much to really reveal about the film. Like, is it okay? We're talking to people that have or you know doing a show for people that have seen the film already or right. haven't. So I'm always cautious about how much I want to reveal about the film, spoiler-wise. I mean. Sure. So and and you know the, that's not to say like there's huge twists and turns in this movie, but I I feel like it really does play with your heart, play with your emotions. Right. Um. And, and no, no, I I think what you know what we've said a, so far, you know, I I think is is good. We don't need right. to like you know, say exactly but what happens, but it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, but it's, it's again, it's a movie that's, is more, well, first of all, I just think this in general, I always like to know as little as possible Yes. going into a film. So part of my maybe bore, maybe my boringness here as a, as a guest, and maybe I'm being too self-critical is because I just don't want to, I don't like to say too much right. to people. I want people to go in and just ex- and experience the movie fresh right. without well, too many preconceived I mean, ideas. I, I so. can't, I can't speak for anyone else, but I never listen to a podcast or like watch a YouTube video or read a review of a movie right. I haven't seen. So um, I say it's I'm on, it's I'm on them. If they're listening to this and they've never seen right. it, then. It's too bad. And then um, everyone else that has seen the movie is just going to say, wow, you did, a ter- you did an <laughs> awful, awful job of selling it. I mean, for those people that like the movie. Right. So, yeah, I, w- uh, I would be yeah. curious to uh, to know how many people, you know, li- of my regular listeners have seen this movie and and like or even love this movie. I love this movie. You know, this this would be what I would consider this to be one of my all time favorites that I will revisit. Do you ever, I'm curious, do, yeah. I, I, I believe you, but do you ever, because every time I've picked a movie, I've been on here a few times now, I feel like you've said, like, I think you loved, I think we talked about Two Lane Blacktop last time and you were very positive, I, which don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm, I love that film and I love this film too, but, but you're not just saying that. You no, really mean that. no, you, uh, it's your fault for picking great movies, Deep End <laughs> and then Tulane, which was my, it ended up being my discovery, my favorite discovery of all of last year. Uh, wow. and then Petulia, I love, uh, no, this is really nice because a few episodes before you, I had talked about greetings mm-hmm. and I had talked about the little shop of horrors, uh, okay. Roger Corman's and I did not like those at all. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice to watch a movie that I absolutely okay. love. All right. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. So there you go. You were on. You you said no. It's not. It's not the case. I don't love <laughs> every movie that every guest picks. I just happen to be picking ones that are speaking to you, which it, is cool. Well, These are. You notice the movies that I've chosen: Deep End, Two Lane Blacktop, and Petulia. I would say all sort of fit in that category of what I was talking about before in terms of them being maybe movies that might not fit a more common or more widely held uh definition of cult movie yeah yeah absolutely they're a little bit they're a little uh, they're a little less definable yes absolutely and 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 the thing is and we've talked about this you and i uh, a lot that you know these are 
very dramatic movies, uh, even though some, you know, there, there are thrilling moments, but it, you know, these are movies that are exploring, you know, kind of themes that people say around our age are also experiencing or have experienced. And so yeah, there's universe, there's universal qualities aspects. Yeah. To yep. their, to some of the character arcs that even though these movies are, I actually, all the movies that we've talked about you and I here are movies that are about the same age. They're all from that late sixties, yep. early seventies uh, period, but yeah, they're, yeah, absolutely. You take away, you, you take away the part about the generation gap or you take away the parts about specific things that are specific to that time period like we were just talking about with this film with the vietnam uh sh you know sort of shadowing over everything or the you know the, the consumerism the things that are specific to 1968 but then there's a lot of stuff which as you said before is you feel it now you can relate right. to it now even though you know we're, even though the movie is taking place you know and is very much 1968 right no, it, I mean the, the you know they they're very therapeutic for me. I, honest to God, yeah. and and you know I I I can't imagine people want to sit down and listen to to uh to me you know wax wax on about my <laughs> what's going on in my head and like my emotions and how I connect emotionally to people and and what I'm going through in my life because my God I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, these movies are you know they just you know, they're ever relevant, I feel like. And honest to God, a lot of the movies in Danny's books, even though they're older, still hold up. And the themes, uh, like I said, are ever relevant. They, they, you know, it, it's, it's like a 20 or 30 year cycle where the mm -hmm. world is going through the same shit. And, you know, which is, I don't know, sad or scary, but that's the way it is, I suppose. Um, okay, we're going to move on to some pairing recommendations here real quick. Uh, yeah. I have to say, I had a heck of a time trying to think, like, come up with, like, themes. Because I, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, okay, should I do, like, you know, uh, romantic comedies or, like, you know, stories about philandering types. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I just, nothing was landing and I watched mm. a lot of good movies, but nothing was landing. And so I just settled on if someone were to do a Richard Lester, Julie Christie, and George C. Scott marathon. Uh-oh. Uh, Is that what you're doing? All uh, just move Richard Lester movies or George C. Scott movies or Julie Christie movies? You'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I but, have to tell you, I have, I, 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 I have a, a pretty... A big list and i wasn't really necessarily committing to sure. uh three at this point because i was kind of gonna say to myself well there's probably some of the titles on my list that anthony has on his yeah. and i'm you know gonna have some backups and also just because i i felt actually like i'm more i felt uh actually what i take away from this movie and one of the things i love about this movie is i love movies and i could and there's just when i was coming up with the list of movies there were just tons of movies that i love that sort of fit in this category which are movies that are that have character you know oddly matched characters like archie and petulia characters that are 
coming from different walks of life sure. uh, or, you know, different, whether it's different ages or just different, just different backgrounds politically or occupationally or whatever. It's sort of like the way that these one or both characters uh, overturns the life of the other person. Yeah. Completely, completely uh, shifts their view. Sure. Uh, and, and makes, and, and, and so I just have, I just realized, I mean, there's just some of my favorite movies yeah. I have. So I have a, I have a, a big list of, things and it's sort of a question of do i and i was like oh i've got some that are obvious ones on here and then i've got some that are even maybe a little deeper and i always kind of want to try to balance sure you know sure uh, that and also i'll hopefully talk about some stuff that hasn't maybe come up on here before yeah 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 for sure well well so, let, let's, well you go first okay well i'll tell you what there there is one uh you picked petulia and there was one movie that i knew right right away this was going to be a pairing and that is uh, arthur hiller's the hospital uh oh okay because, not on my list okay so. oh interesting okay so like no. i feel like george c scott is kind of playing i i feel okay petulia the hospital and uh exorcist three i feel like george c scott is playing and i'm sure there's others oh and the changeling uh-huh. george c scott is playing these men in a big transitional period or, or like this existential period in their life. And are, are you doing all, are those your three movies? No, 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 no. Uh, but the hospital is, that would be, uh, okay. Hospitals, hospitals, your first ho- hospital is my first one. You know, it's another weird one. I remember watching it for the first time. Like what, what is this? Like, am, is it supposed to be funny or, or scary? Or like, am I supposed to be like, is this dramatic? I, I don't get it. Uh, but I've watched a, a couple times since and just absolutely love it. Another, you know, near masterpiece, I feel like. Uh, but, you know, he's playing this guy who's he's suicidal. Uh, he's the chief of staff at this hospital that is, you know, it's full of protesters outside. Uh, and and on and, and then there's this patient of his that came in and his daughter's trying to break him out the the daughter played by the the great and beautiful Diana Rigg and she's sort of this kind of hippy dippy missionary type of uh person and uh they end up having an affair and she wants him she sees in him like this life for you is too hard and i just want you to run away come back to south america with me and and on top of all that there's somebody going around the hospital killing people and uh it's very funny it's very interesting at no point in this film will you space out the whole time you're gonna be like what what the hell's going on in this movie uh i love it it's just you know it's it's so clever written by Patty Chayefsky, you know, one of the greatest writers of dialogue ever. So, you know, hard to go wrong there, but I, I love this movie. Do you like this movie, Jonathan? I have seen it many years ago. It was like Turner classic movies late at night. And I don't, I remember it being like very, a lot of characters, a lot going like, like kind of like never very absurdist yeah makes sense that it's you know patty patty chayefsky writing it so i remember i 
I liked it, but I haven't seen it honestly in almost 20 years. Oh, okay. Uh, Cause I saw it on, it was a TCN. It was like late at night. Too. Sure. Um, but yeah, this, so this is same time period as maybe a year after a couple of years. A couple after years. Yes. Was it, yeah. Was yeah. it 1970? 71. Yep. 71. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. He's a doctor in this one also. So, and then you mentioned the Diana Rigg character and sort of obviously she's younger would you say hippy dippy so perhaps some some similar some kind of similar dynamic to archie and petulia yep yep yeah it's just but yeah i i haven't seen it in such a long time that i just couldn't even really yeah i couldn't really say i remember i remember i liked it but it was a long time ago it's been on amazon prime for a long 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 time of course there's that that out of print twilight time blu-ray oh they released it on blu-ray okay. yeah yeah twilight that, time did but I, yeah that yeah, it's, so people can people can watch it now yes on prime on okay. prime yes and it's been yeah. on there for for the past couple years so it seems like it'll be on there forever anyways um <coughs> oh gosh excuse me jonathan let's hear your first one well i just have i have a i have a huge list here so like i said before with the way i the way i kind of prefaced what i was saying is that I'm kind of going with the movies that are about the the oddly paired. One person is maybe straight, a straight person, and the other person is kind of is is the kook. Right. Uh, could be the could be the male or the female. Um, but I like that idea again of yeah. of characters kind of uh, changing up their lives, their routines, or having this other you know person come into their life and shake things up. Sure. So with that said, one of my favorite 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 movies ever um which has probably come up on your show is uh jonathan demi's something wild that hasn't come up yet oh amazing cool all right because i was like if i pick that one that's going to be one especially it's a criterion collection movie at this point like someone would have picked it but that's good to know nobody's talked about it so yeah so something wild is a great is is a is a 80s kind of update on a, a screwball comedy except it turns rather dark uh in the in the middle so it was one of those movies that at the time and it's why i would say it fits the definition of danny's sort of version of of, of a cult movie and sure. it's one of those films that kind of at the time it got a lot of cri- a lot of criticism for being tonally kind of having this tonal shift hmm. and being sort of not what people were expecting from the first half of the movie or something first three quarters of the movie where it's more of a screwball sort of more of a more comic and then gets uh much darker sure but the darker stuff is actually really only a small part of it but anyway it's a great it's it's a movie i could watch on a loop and it's with melanie griffith playing the kook the a, a down a very downtown new york mid-80s uh character and jeff daniels plays sort of the archetypal yuppie and it's just basically about how they uh, they they sort of get together accidentally and she just kind of just turns his life up upside down and it's a road movie and yeah I just I those are the thing that the, the, that's sort of like what I was saying before sure. that part of that part of Petulia is is probably the part that I enjoy the most yeah the, you know that that sort of culture clash between sure. our two protagonists and this movie is another one of has that has that dynamic as well 
Yeah, this is, I still haven't seen something wild. And it, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, wow. And ever since it did come out, uh, Criterion put out that disc, like, you know, it seems like it has gained steam and people have just been going crazy about it. So I, I yeah, I need to, need oh, to. I think watch you would, I'm surprised. Um, I think you'd love it. I yeah. mean, it's, um, it's, it's in a, it, for me it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite it's it's a favorite movie of mine of any time period any filmmaker um but yeah it it checks off a lot of boxes for me sweet and yeah i i think yeah be interested to hear if you watch it what yeah you think of it for sure um okay so uh, i'm gonna move on to julie christie here a movie that you already mentioned briefly and that is darling from 1965 Okay. Uh, from John Schlesinger, of course, from mm-hmm. you know Midnight Cowboy. This is before Midnight Cowboy. John Schlesinger, another. I always thought he was American. He's no. British. I no. I didn't I didn't know he was another British. Br- a British director who made it who be famously made a movie in America in Midnight Cowboy. Yep. That's sort of is a the outside you know sort of the that's one of those yeah that's one of those archetypal. Here's the outsider's view of what was going on. Right in america at this yeah. time yeah. yeah um and then of course written by uh or co-written by frederick Raphael, who uh co-wrote yes. he wrote two for the road which right. which i brought up earlier isn't he also a writer of eyes wide shut eyes wide shut as well? yep um and so yeah this is darling stars julie christie and dirk bogard who is just i've been mm-hmm. you know just falling more and more in love with him. He's just so cool and like plays very, you know, kind of, I don't want to say boring characters, but like he takes these, these almost sort of nebbishy guys, but makes them incredibly intriguing, very mysterious. Um, And they just turn out to be, you know, normal people or uh, he, he, plays them nebishy but then they turn out to be like incredibly strange people like in the servant uh anyways uh lawrence harvey uh is also in this he of uh walk on the wild side uh which stars jane jane fonda the uh, manchurian candidate manchurian candidate lawrence harvey another one i didn't realize he was british Mm -hmm. i thought he was american because my introduction to him was walk on the wild side where he you know he's from Texas or Alabama or something like that. And he's got Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, Julie Christie is this young woman and she kind of works her way through the social circles um, in the swinging sixties of London. And she, she's sort of searching for this one thing that can bring her happiness, but she doesn't know what that one thing is, you know, bounces around from man to man and, uh, you know, she marries Dirk Bogart in it and and has an affair. And um, it's very, very good. I really like this one. There was another, hold on, what was it? Uh, oh, it. Uh, I watched In Search of Gregory. Have you seen In Search of Gregory? It's from 1969. Oh. Directed by Peter. Michael Sarazen in that? Michael Sarazen, yes. No, I haven't seen it. Okay, but... uh, I was considering Michael Sarazen. There's a there's a you know forgotten, mostly forgotten leading man of that of that era. Right. That he he was he did star opposite, um, you know some some still remembered 
iconic actresses like that's right julie christie but uh, so i was also gonna... he was the original cho- he was one of the original uh casting choices for midnight cowboy oh interesting oh wow uh so that i watched that it was fine um that's know, not an easy one to see is it n- no it's not uh but i i did find no it, it was on i mean youtube is but it... oh, oh on youtube yeah, yeah. but yeah. i don't think it's that's one of those movies i don't think has had an official release no since no 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 original release. no no um which is why i watched it on youtube i would never okay. um but anyways, uh, that one was fine, but uh, that's more of a mystery. She's sort of like obsessed with this guy named Gregory, played by Sarazen. And mm-hmm. it, it's good, but it, it doesn't really kind of match the tone sort of of, of Petulia. But Darling totally matches the tone of Petulia. And it is, gosh, it is so charming. She is, of course, great in it. The men are charming as hell you know everybody mm. is great it's and and schlesinger's uh direction is impeccable as always so anyways really love this movie like the hospital you picked a movie i haven't watched in oh. many many years so i can't really comment much more on it because it's been like 20 years since sure. i've seen it sure so all right let's but where uh, can they see where can they see that film? uh that i mean i rented it you know streaming so it's available. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's available. Right. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're. Uh, hold on, real quick. I want to see if there is a Blu-ray because I would be interested. I believe there is. In... I think it might even be a Kino. Might be a Kino Blu-ray. Oh yeah, it is. Cool. Okay. Uh, moving on, Jonathan. Let's hear another one from you. Sure. Okay. Um, this is a deeper cut. Uh, this is uh, a movie I saw a few years ago um on at the at the uh, metrograph in new york when they were doing a series on the films directed by the french actor gerard blaine and so these unfortunately are really difficult to see so this is a film that if you like look it up on letterboxd it pretty much has no reviews or ratings since it showed at metrograph like four years ago when i saw it um that said if you if you are on one of those, you know, one of those, maybe YouTube, I don't think so, but maybe one of those file sharing sites sure. where they, you know, deal with really, really rare, hard to see movies. Yeah. And that's the only reason why you should be on those. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for God's sake. That's the whole point of them. Yeah. Um, not to steal movies that are readily available <laughs> exactly. on Blu-ray. Um, anyway, but they are a good source for things like this movie, uh, Second Wind, which stars Robert Stack. But Robert Stack, it's a French film. Robert Stack is acting in French, and it's really Robert Stack speaking in French. He's not dubbed, which is really cool. I didn't know this. Yes, he's American. It's not one of those times where it's like, oh, I thought he was American. He was British. <laughs> but he had a French. His mother was French. If we look him up, I'm, he, so he's fluent. He was, grew up fluent Whoa. in French. So he's playing a French character, and he is actually, like, legit it's him. It's his voice. He's not dubbed, um, which is pretty cool. And he's this, it's very similar in a way, very similar setup to Petulia. It was made about 10 years later, but similar situation where Robert Stack's character is going through this middle-aged crisis, um, midlife crisis, and he leaves his, he leaves his wife and he engages in an affair with a much, much younger, beautiful woman played by Anise Alvina. And 
and it's just it's it, you know it, it it deals with maybe a little bit more so than Petulia the sort of uh, the, that generation gap and this guy he's the whole the other thing that, that's interesting is he's always running in this movie he's jogging and it sort of is there and and there are these scenes where you see that he he's getting like out of breath and it's kind of like this you know obvious very obvious um signifier of him getting older and sure. not being a you know not not being the young strapping guy anymore um but robert stack is incredible in this movie he's like 50, he was almost 60 when he did this when he did this movie um and anyway it's uh, you know very dark french uh very sort of like but very realistic very very much a a drama about relationships sure. domestic drama that they do so well um yeah you know, so, so something i think something that if you're if you're in if you're like deep into the romare catalog oh yeah this yeah. this is like something that these this was a film that that you know would kind of scratch a, a similar itch uh, but unfortunately there's still these movies are still really hard to see uh, i don't think it was ever officially released for you know in here yeah in this country wow anyway but yeah yeah it, I, it, it, it's it's got a lot of there's definitely you know a parallels you know with the with our main movie in the show yeah i've uh on imdb it's under un second souffle yes i was i i wasn't gonna i i wasn't <laughs> i just wrote the english title but yes <laughs> it's a french film um yeah i think you did okay there yeah <laughs> i don't know how to speak uh, french I mean, it looks but like Robert, St Robert Stack does. I, uh, it's, okay. It's well, pretty amazing. Cause usually when you watch one of those, when you watch a film, you know, there were a lot of international co-productions at that time. And you'd see American actors, of course, especially in the Italian films, Italian genre films at that time, you'd see established American actors, you know, someone like a Martin Balsam, for instance, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, playing a, an Italian police inspector or something. Uh, but most likely, I mean, there's everyone's done. Even the, oh, yeah. you know, even John, the people that can speak Italian. John Saxon. Uh, yeah. You know, but in thing. this movie, this is different. Robert Sack is, is actually, actually speaking. speaking French, wow, that's incredible. Really cool. Okay, speaking of dubbing real quick, I wanted to bring this up. In Petulia, um, I, I figure they were looping their, their voices. Um, I mean, at least that's what it seemed like when I was watching it on the DVD. Um, huh. And it added another, like, sort of surreal um element sense. El el element just, to the movie there's a lot of scenes where they're outside in places where there would have been a, or a lot of a, street noise there's yeah. a lot of noise or like what, yeah. that, where they meet in that uh at that black tie function at the beginning of oh the yeah movie. oh god yeah lots of other noise a lot of other you know sounds so it makes sense that yeah. they probably would have done a lot of looping um okay uh now i'm moving on to richard lester and mm -hmm. i was gonna go with uh the knack and how to find it how to get it uh -huh. but i boy i did not love that movie uh you didn't like that one okay i thought it was really annoying for some reason mm. uh, those, those yeah, guys it's, it's it, yeah it's they're just really grating those guys but uh yeah. so i <laughs> went with one that i'd heard about a long long time ago and so i got the the warner archive dvd hasn't made the jump to blu-ray yet but it's mm -hmm. the Ritz from 1976 mm -hmm. based on okay. the Terrence McNally play who also wrote mm -hmm. the screenplay. 
and Terrence McNally, you know, uh, rest his soul, just one of the great writers of, of Broadway. Um, but so this is an American film directed by Richard Lester. And so it's another mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, you think of him like we were talking about directing British films. This is like right. not British at all. Uh, but it, what's great is that, so it, it opened on Broadway, like in 1974, 75, and then the movie came out like the next year. And so basically it's the cast from Broadway, just making the jump to the screen. So you have Jack Weston, you have Rita Moreno, Jerry Stiller, Kay Ballard, F. Murray Abraham. And then it's an early performance from Treat Williams, uh, who is playing this private detective. So what happens is that Jack Weston, we're, we're at the deathbed of this old, this old Italian guy. And he calls in his daughter and his son-in-law. And he says, get Proko. And Proko, played by Jack Weston, uh, that's his, his nickname. His, his name is Carmine Vespucci. And he just overhears, get Proko. And he thinks, oh my God, dad is putting a hit out on me. And so he runs away, leaves his wife and children. They're in Cleveland. He goes to New York City, gets in a cab, and says, take me to the last place anyone would find me. And so the cab driver takes him to this place called the Ritz, which is mm. a gay bathhouse. Yeah. And uh, it, where he just comes across like the funniest freaking characters. Rita Moreno is like the nightclub singer. F. Murray Abraham is playing this this horrifyingly uh, offensive, like mincing gay man. But mm-hmm. Jesus, is he funny in this? He is so freaking funny. Um, and then, so, so going back to Treat Williams, who wasn't in the original Broadway cast, he replaced, I can't remember who he replaced, but mm-hmm. Treat Williams is playing this private detective hired by Jerry Stiller, who is Jack Weston's brother-in-law in the movie. Mm. He, he needs to go find Jack Weston and <laughs> he's playing this character with, I wish I had a falsetto, uh, cause I would, I would do a voice, but he talks in a high pitched falsetto. The whole time. I can, hear him, I can hear him doing that. It is so freaking funny. Like this, the first time you hear me, like, what is this guy doing? But then you realize that's how this character actually talks. And there's actually a, a moment in the movie where he's like, eh, some people have, you know, uh, made fun of me for talking like this, but this is just my voice. And, hmm. you know, God bless Treat Williams. He's just, he's so funny. Uh, anyways, The Ritz from Richard Lester. It is, it was such by far the funniest movie I've watched our year. I feel like I've watched a lot of dark shit, uh, Uh this uh year. And, uh, of course, before I went and saw Jackass forever last night, uh, but, uh, it it was so funny. Love it. So this you, you watched on the Warner archive DVD, DVD. Yeah. So it's probably streaming. I think it is maybe streaming. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure you can rent it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of those Warner Brothers titles, they've been remastered. They're in HD streaming. Oh, great, cool. Yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff that's not on Blu-ray, right? And that they may be released on DVD or in the you know Warner Archive years ago. They're now living on the streaming platforms in right. HD. Oh yeah. So that was one of those times where I'll choose the uh, stream over the over the physical object just because it's superior as a superior uh right that's true that's true Uh, but you know i being a physical media guy and it was only 10 bucks uh, i was like i 
and and no, I, I always I always check now because Warner Brothers has done so many upgrades of their yeah. of that catalog. They've done a lot. They just haven't put them on Blu-ray. Blue, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, they've but they've done the upgrades, so you could get it on Amazon or whatever or iTunes, wherever you you know, wherever you stream classic movies. And there are just tons of stuff, which is, you know, which looks great because yep. it's actually been remastered, restored in, you know, HD. They just haven't put it on a physical format. Yeah. So it's just something to think about because um, yeah. you could be waiting a long time for them to actually put it on a disc. Yes. Um, you know, and they, they don't, they trickle that stuff out. So Yeah. And, and that's I'm what... still waiting on some favorite like a, there's quite a few favorite movies of mine that are in the Warner catalog, which they may or may not ever get to on physical, um, but they are actually available in nice new HD masters. Streaming. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Th- this was one I just heard about for so long and I really wanted to see, and I saw it was 10 bucks on Amazon. I'm like, you know what? Uh, uh, who knows if it's ever going to make the jump uh to blu-ray so and again it was you know 10 bucks so go ahead got the dvd well worth it my god it's so funny so i i highly recommend it it really has nothing to do with petulia other than if you want to sit down and have you know this little movie marathon this would be such a great you know ender for your night after you've kind of watched these darker movies so i just looked it up and it is available in hd to rent for two ninety nine, beautiful, or to or to buy for for nine ninety nine in HD, beautiful. So I actually have a collection at this point. I do have quite. Oh, a few really? Films. I, it, again, I am a physical media yeah. person. Obviously, obviously, I'm distributing physical media, but I'm also a believer in. I want to see the movie in the best best quality yeah. version. I don't care, and if it's like been available on a VHS or a Warner Archive DVD years ago, I'm going to take the. Uh, I'm going to take the, HD the better transfer. Yeah. Stream. Yeah, absolutely. Every day of the week. Cause yeah. I mean, it's about the, it's not about the, it's not about the delivery method so much. Sure. It's just about the quality of, sure. of uh, the film. Yeah. The quality of the presentation of the film. And anyway. I, I will say that DVD looks, looks good. I'm, I'm sure the HD looks much better, but uh, you know, yeah. this was, they were notorious for putting a lot of, uh, Warner, you know, Warner brothers threw a lot of just pre-existing old masters on the Warner archive, which was, uh, yeah, kind of one of the, the downsides of it. They put out a lot of stuff, a lot of titles that were hard to see, but they sometimes just threw whatever, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever master they, they had, had yeah. laying around. Yeah. So especially now, um, that stuff looks, when I put one of those on, it just looks really We've we've become spoiled because oh, yeah. the technology has improved and so many things are coming out now in proper restorations. Sure, um, you know from good preprint, you know negative elements. Uh, so yeah, a lot of that stuff from 10, 15, 20 years ago, it, it shows its age. Yep, for sure. All right, let's hear your your uh, your last official pairing recommendation yeah, so this is a this is tough because i have got like a huge list and here i was i thought we'd have like a bunch of shared titles um but we don't so now i've got now i've got to uh make a make a tough choice here i am going to go with uh an unmarried woman has anyone talked about that on your show uh no okay cool i'm like picking these titles and i'm like oh man someone's probably talked about this already 
Um, but I'm glad to hear nobody has yet. Uh, An Unmarried Woman is one of my favorite movies made in New York in that fun city era that we love to talk about. Paul Mazursky film uh, starring Jill Clayburgh, uh, incredible Jill Clayburgh in uh, an Academy Award worthy performance. In fact, in the alternate Oscars book, she is given the best actress, I believe, for that year. Oh, nice. So I mean, she was definitely nominated, but she didn't win. Um, But in alternate Oscars, she does. And anyway, that may have been really where what what really uh, prompted me to finally to see this movie. And this is one of my uh, yeah, is one of my favorite movies that's, you know, New York in the, you know, it's one of my favorite dirty old New York fun city movies. What, and year, Jill what year is this? This is from 1978. This was, okay. this was a big movie, big movie at the time. It was nominated for Best Picture. And yeah, as I said, she was nominated for Best Actress. And Paul Mazursky was regarded as one of the top working, you know, one of the top American directors at working at that time. You know, this was a peak for him. Yeah. And Jill Clayburgh plays a plays a a woman of a, a mother of a teenage daughter, and she's married to Michael Murphy. And Michael Murphy just you know kind of just lays on her one day that he's you know fallen in love with and leaving her for a much younger woman. And then it's really about uh, her journey. Uh, Erica, the character that Jill Clay- Clayburgh plays, it's about you know her she's been married and and sort of her whole married young and had a child very young and so like her whole adult life has been you know defined by being um you know mother and married to michael murphy so then it's really about her personal journey and experiencing a lot of stuff that she hadn't experienced before like relationships with other men that aren't her husband and she ends up with you know in a relationship uh, with Alan Bates in the film, and Alan, and so sort of what I was talking about before about the sort of straight character, or more straight laced character, getting hooked up with the more unconventional kind of um, anti-establishment type of character. Well, that's Alan Bates. He's an artist in this movie. He's like a famous artist, and she, you know, has just been a housewife, and her, you know, husband's like an, you know, advertising man or something, you know. So basically pretty you know sort of straight straight lace kind of upper east side existence and then alan bates is like the artist who's lives in the village and you know is you know just a lot has you know lives a lot more uh you know exciting yeah life so to speak and sort of uh but anyway this is not a great a great sales pitch for this movie it's much more than that but again that's sort of the theme i was going with where um movies that sort of that like again depict um you know depict these sort of oddly matched characters uh and and i like this movie is 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 a little different than that it's a female character in this more straight-laced part and when oftentimes it's the other way around where it's a guy kind of getting his life shaken up by sort of a femme fatale type of sure. character uh this is one where it's i mean it's this is movie is more than that yeah. um but Anyway, um, there you there you go. There you have it. I picked three movies that nobody's talked about on here before, which surprised me a little because they're, they're not. I mean, at least two of them are not really deep, deep cuts. Right. But yeah, but they're all movies I really enjoy. Uh, Alan Bates, of course, from King of Hearts, which uh, we talked about last year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and women in love as well, which is also in oh, that cult movies as well. Women in love. Ken Russell's Women in Love isn't that in one of the cult movies? Uh, you know what? I, that I don't know. Um, but I, I will say I'm looking it up right now. I will say that a couple episodes ago I did pick a Mazursky film to pair with Two for the Road. Which one was that? Uh, Bloom in Love. Oh, Bloom in Love. Very nice. Yeah. What? Yeah. That was. That's another one that kind of stuck in my head now forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually would that you know that could have been on my big list sure, yeah fact, it is it is i just didn't it's not one of the ones i ended up picking and i'm glad i didn't because you just talked about it yeah women in love is in the guide but not uh not oh, it's in the guide. but it's it in is guide. i think i feel like then there's some alternate oscar it, it, I, I know i read some maybe one of the actors oh sure sure some, maybe someone like glenda jackson or something oh, like yeah. that is, is given a prize anyway yeah yeah uh, uh i was looking at alternate oscars joe clayberg was danny's pick over the actual winner jane fonda for coming home. Oh, 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 wow. That's a, t- that's a tough choice. Tough choice. I yeah. Love coming okay. home. Okay. So if you don't mind, can I have you for five more minutes? I just want to talk about some, some alternate titles that I, and, and I'd love to hear some more from you. Alternate titles sure. I, we considered for this. Coming home was actually the one that I was going to go with mm-hmm. for, uh, for Petulia because I'd never seen it and I had that Kino Blue. And yeah. uh, I was kind of waiting for this time to watch it for the first time. Uh, it could pair fine, but holy shit, that that blew my mind. That movie, uh, like incredible, just incredible, broke it's, my it's, heart. It's, it's uh, it is. Uh, I mean, it's not like Hal Ashby necessarily needs uh, needs like a lot of love, extra love per se. He's right. not unloved. But I still think I still sort of feel like some of those films, and I, you know, something like Coming Home, I still sort of feel like isn't maybe quite championed or uh, absolutely beloved, maybe as much as it as it should be. Yeah, in no, terms I agree. of just just being um, just it, a lot of the, uh, it's a it doesn't get talked about as much as an anti-war film, as a Vietnam film. Um, but yeah, I, I find that movie, I haven't watched it in a number of years, but God, there's just so many shattering, uh, beautiful moments in that movie. And all the, the, the three main actors in that oh, film smoke. are just all just top, top, top tier. It's a shame that John Voight looks back on all this stuff now as being like, um, you know, like he was duped or something. Yeah. We don't need to get into that. But right. yeah, I just think it's like, wow, man. I'm with you. I mean, yeah. Like watching him, because I love John Voight as an actor. And, you know, in coming home, my God, like, obviously, he just gives gives some of the most heartbreaking and shattering and really just absolutely there's again, I haven't watched it in a while. I just remember. So there's just some beautiful, um, beautifully delivered, beautifully written um, uh, anti-war, you know, it's it's it's, I don't know. I hate saying a speech, but, you know, because it's not a. It's not a really good way to it it doesn't it i don't think it really puts it in the light i want it to but but sure. just some really uh really moving beautifully heartfelt um dialogue well his john void has about yeah. about the horrors of yeah his of his war. final speech when he's at the high school yeah. it's just yeah, like that's what i'm talking about oh, yeah gosh so yeah, great you just watched it so you remember yeah. it more than me but oh. yeah i just remember like just that's like one of those movies where you're just 
you know, it's kind of like one, uh, uh, you know, the, the tear ducts are just, you know, kind of like on, uh, you know, kind of like flowing throughout. Uh, I'm, I must have been ready for a good cry because I was like emptied <laughs> by the end of that movie. I was Get like, your, <laughs> yes, have your, have your tissues for that. I'm pretty sure. But, yeah. but it, it's one of those that is, I feel like is very rewatchable though. Cause I, a lot of movies that like, if I'm going to end up crying a lot, yeah, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not going to watch that movie very often. I, I'm 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 the opposite of you. I love those. I go back and watch them. Okay, but like th- I, I, this I, I, one, and I, and I love. There's something that's very. There's something I really enjoy about that. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what that says about me. Well, yeah, I think I, I can rewatch those movies that make me cry, and I still will. They still will. And I think watching movies and crying like it's a very uh, safe space. I feel like you know it's it's. Uh, you know, it, it's okay. You know, we're, we're like programmed to think, oh, you can't cry. Well, you know, you're watching a movie. It's totally fine. Okay. Uh, the other title I wanted to bring up real quick here, and then I want to hear a few from you, was Mike Nichols. Um, was it Mike Nichols? Shit. Uh, yeah. Heartburn with Meryl mm-hmm. and, and Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson. Yeah. Why didn't you bring these up? Why didn't uh, you talk about these? I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about them now. That's why. No, good. good. Um, but it, that, I just think the mat. I just like the thematic matches. More. You think that? Yeah. Yeah. More than just like oh, I'm gonna, you know, pick the actor. Well, just talk. Pick the actors, the directors. Yeah. I I still feel like Hospital is is a really good choice, just because Archie and 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 his no, no, yeah, from, yeah, absolutely. But, I'm not saying they're not good choices. Right. I'm just saying I I you know I just like anyway. I'm enjoying to talk talking about these films that have where you see like some kind of thematic right something you know something like that but that kind of connection I, i'm a i'm a huge huge fan of nora efron and of course this is sort of her uh <laughs> autobiographical uh story when she was mm. married to um carl bernstein carl bernstein and uh but you know it's another one very funny it's very nora efron so it's it's very funny very heartwarming but then you get these you know performances from jack and merrill where you're just like good god just blowing my mind on top of mike nichols direction uh which you know it's just a it's a it's a banger of a film uh that i think would would work well i didn't rewatch that one so i probably should yeah. have and i would have been like oh my god obvious choice but no, yeah you totally could you totally you totally um could. well let me i want to hear a couple more i'm very interested because just oh. because the the i had such a hard time c- coming up with this i i would be curious to see sure. a few more where you went uh, i don't know if you can see that i mean it's not really. oh no i can't <laughs> no it's just if i angle it uh... <laughs> no you can cut can you a little bit. Anyway, I'm doing a terrible job here, but there's a huge, that's my notes. That's your list. Yeah. That's a huge, yeah, it's a big list on my little iPhone screen. Um, anyway. So, gosh, yeah, I have a lot of, I was actually trying to think of, I didn't pick any, but I was trying to think of some like screwball-ish or pre-code oh, yeah. uh, films. And actually, unfortunately, and I don't, I didn't, th- th- those didn't end up, those are some of the things that are missing from my list. Um, but let's see, things things I did put on here. Um, Lulu, uh, the, the Maurice uh, Piala film. Okay. Uh, with Is- Isabelle Huppert sure. and Gerard Depardieu. 
where like she's uh this sort of like i said the more straight character and you know has an upstanding kind of you know has a kind of a you know uh, uh, you know lives with a, a a wealthier guy you know she kind of has a good a supposedly good thing going and then Gerard Depardieu is a uh, is like a guy who just got out of jail you know leather jacket kind of like you know heavy drinking you know this is like not a not a guy you're going to grow old with or have a future with um and anyway that's another one but again I haven't seen haven't actually seen it in 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 um, many years but I was thinking of movies like that that you, you sort of get where I'm going at yeah, with yeah. this with yeah. um these sort of these sort of odd matches. Uh Carol uh was another one I was thinking of uh from from a few years ago, the Todd Haynes film, which uh is one of my favorite. I picked films. I picked that for a pairing decade. with uh the Rain People, actually. Okay, there you go. Yeah, see. Oh, I, I have the Rain People on oh, here nice. as well. But I didn't pick it because I already knew, you know, it was a it was a oh, choice. In the, yeah. Um uh, another one that uh, people talk about um, have been talking about recently, um, and we may have mentioned it. I feel like on one of our other shows, uh, it was a um, a TV film from the early '70s with Lee Grant called *The Neon Ceiling*, where she like plays a a housewife that like just kind of drives off in the middle of the night with her daughter, leaves the husband, and ends up um, like running out of gas at this like very dilapidated. Uh, roadside gas station diner in the middle of the desert um which is uh uh owned by uh this gig young who's like like alcoholic like hard drinking like uh you know guys basically just you know um for the most for the not really looking for or ready for like a relationship or you know a, a sudden, suddenly like being like a father figure or something like that anyway just one of those like bizarre like how the how the hell did this this was made for tv oh of, yeah you know, yeah like really but really again only only you know only in like 1970 sure. or whatever this movie you, was you know it's funny early 70s uh, I, but it's the same time period yeah most, yeah know. i'm reading uh the elaine stretch biography right now and she had uh like a hot passionate but short affair with gig young that's, oh okay that's, that's really interesting that's well funny. and i think gig young i mean i don't know a lot about him but i i i, I kind of feel like he had he had a a, a pretty he's a pretty hard drinking hard living guy probably um, could hang with say, elaine then to say the least <laughs> um yeah i it, people might you know from around that same time period he's uh he's one i, I want to say isn't he isn't he one of the uh is he one of the hitmen in in um bring me the head of alfredo garcia uh i, you know, I know I he's in i know he's in uh the killer elite i i think he's in killer elite so maybe i'm i might be mixing my peck and pa movies up but um anyway what else did i have on here uh i had the landlord is another possibility speaking of how ashby, Hal ashby yeah um, there's another another film with a with a, a character uh getting you know in that case Bo Bridges character sort of having his whole worldview and life overturned by this in in, in this case not so much sure, like a relationship with like one person but basically like the whole community sure. he, easy because he buys a, a you know a, a brownstone in in uh Brooklyn uh, at at a, at a time when you know it was um 
a predominantly African-American neighborhood and he's this white privileged guy who just bought this building. So he basically also inherits all the, uh, all the tenants yeah. in, in, uh, in the building. And it's basically just about how he, you know, learns uh, that he really didn't know a goddamn thing uh, <laughs> about life or race relations or anything until he ended up, uh, you know, biting off way more than, than he could chew there. Um, what else? What else was on here? Oh, then some obvious things like I, since I had something wild on the list, you know, I had uh, I had some other of those sort of '80s yuppie nightmare movies like After Hours and Oh yeah, and uh, Into the Night. But you know, I picked something wild. So um, yeah, so I don't nice. know. Nice, yeah, uh, yeah, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. I could send you the whole list if you were really uh, if you were really curious. But they were yeah, sort of more just feel movies that sort of had a sim- to me had similar thematic elements or had a some somehow similar feeling in certain ways to to patulia yeah 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 i i don't know what it was man i just i was like nothing's hitting but now i'm kind of feeling ashamed like oh my god obvious i should have gone with no 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 but it is a very rich i mean to me like it's a very it's an easy jumping off point yeah oh uh, for sure me to come up with uh, you know uh, films that i sort of think uh yeah, like I said, have some some affinity, some kinship with what sure you know our main movie here today. Definitely. Uh, all right, Jonathan, thank you so much. This was a blast as always. Where can people find uh, you and Fun City Editions sure. online? We we have funcityeditions.com. We've got the domain. Luckily, nobody had uh, stolen that before we came along. Um, you can find us. You can find us there. You can find our product on uh, vinegarsyndrome.com and you can find us on all the social media uh, platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just basically search for Fun City Editions and, you know, um, talk to us. We, we answer. That's, that is absolutely true. Uh, listeners can just look at the show description and find links to all that stuff where you can find Fun City Editions and the products and stuff. Uh, in the show description, you can find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Cole Movies Pod. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at AK Donnelly. That's A K D O N E L L Y. Next week, Sam Deegan is back. I think I'm doing the same order I did last time because I think Sam came on after you last time we did this. Uh, anyways, okay. we're going to talk about some Powell and Pressburger and the Red oh, Shoes. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun with Sam. Jonathan, thanks again, as always. Pleasure. Thanks, Anthony. Back at you. Thanks for having me.